Good evening, everyone. Welcome to church. Welcome to Trinity. It's good to have you here. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm not here often, but when I am, I love being here. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor on the west side. I uh, am just for thankful to be with you today. Uh, preaching over there and then running over here and then running right back over there to, to teach again tonight. So it's kind of a whirlwind tour. I literally bring you greetings from the west side of town. I was there just a couple of hours ago. So today we're going to look at uh, primarily for our text, the, the passage in Second Timothy. And I'm really excited to, to share some stuff with you tonight. Uh, for me, on a very personal level, uh, the, the letters first and second Timothy mean uh, a great deal. And uh, that's the case because I received a call to ministry when I was pretty young. Uh, the Lord really got a hold of me when I was a teenager. I grew up in a, a home um, raised by hippies, kind of like wild animals raising me. And so when I encountered God, it was through the power of, of the Spirit. The Lord uh, delivered my father from uh, a life of addiction, and I watched that happen as a teenager. And God used that to get a hold of me and to really convince me of his power and his presence. And because of that... As a young Christian, Paul's letters uh, to Timothy, his spiritual son, have always meant a great deal to me. This this wise man, Paul, who didn't have kids of his own in prison, uh, he knows he's not going to get out of jail. His end is coming, and he is writing to his spiritual son, and he's essentially exhorting him with all of this truth. He's saying, I'm not going to be with you very much longer, and so I'm going to tell you all the things. And I think it's because Paul knew that, that Timothy's faith was real and his call to God was real. And yet he was in a fragile and somewhat vulnerable place. And when I was a young Christian, I was acutely aware of how vulnerable things were. That, that God was doing something real and yet I needed him to protect me. So I've always grabbed on to these words, uh, feeling an invitation from the Lord to just say, Lord, protect the vulnerable thing in me, protect the tender thing in me. And I just want to say to you today that if you're in any kind of vulnerable space, if you feel like your walk with God, your heart for God is, um, is there and yet possibly under siege, then this is a good word for you to consider. I believe the Lord wants us to listen. Uh, Paul says more to Timothy here than we can really cover. Uh, so we're just going to do our best. And if you want my notes and feel that what I say is worthy of digging into, just email me and I'll give you all the notes that I have because um, we're going to say a lot. The first thing that I want to sit with in this passage is that Paul uh, tells Timothy that he's invited to be into and settle into a firm belief. Uh, he speaks to him and he says, I want you to be rooted. And he says that you can be rooted by doing uh, a few things. And I'm going to walk them right through as we walk through this passage. Um, every one of us in this room probably wants to have firm faith. I, I've never met a Christian who says, you know, I really would like my faith to be flippant and casual. Uh, I would like for it to be blown around so that when I hit adversity, I kind of fall off my mark. We all want to have strong faith. And Paul actually tells his son in the Lord how his faith can be strengthened. The first thing that he says is he says, Timothy, I want you to continue in what you have heard and learned. I want you to continue in what you've received. For you and me to be growing Christians, we have to place ourselves in intentional postures of teachability. We have to receive teaching and we have to learn how to continue in what we're learning. It is a myth to believe that you can be a flourishing Christian just on the wings of your feelings. You can't just have ecstatic worship experiences or get caught up in the beauty of the liturgy and that be enough to carry us on. When Paul spoke to his son in the faith, Timothy, he says, I want you to continue. So I want to ask you this question. How are you 
continuing in what you've been taught? Or are you just riding on the fumes of a prior experience? See, there's a clear exhortation here and really throughout Paul's writings, but specifically here with this young son of his, he says, I want you essentially to build structures in your life that will enable you to keep going and to keep building and to hold on actually to what you've received from me. And I will tell you, there are a lot of ways to continue in what you've been taught. There are a lot of ways to nurture uh, the receptivity of being taught by God. But for me, there are three that right now in my life are kind of emerging in terms of a, um, a kind of three go-tos for me. And I'm just going to share them with you and you can take them for what you will. Number one, uh, silence and solitude. And if you've got small kids, that means you're going to spend a lot of time in your bathroom. Uh, when my kids were little, we'd lock ourselves in the bathroom because it was the only way we could get away from them. That We had a house 1,300 square feet. We still do. Uh, and they would just come after us. And the only way that I could be alone was to lock myself in the bathroom. We ran up our water bills during those seasons, my wife and I kind of taking turns being still and silent with God. I just want to say to you, there's no, no person in this room who is excluded from the call to cultivate silence and solitude. Without it, you will live your life largely unaware of what's going on inside your soul and unaware of the burning bushes, the moments of intervention where God might want to cross your path and do something real. Apart from silence and solitude, we miss so much. And you don't have to be a monk on an island or on a mountaintop to do that. You can take long showers. You can choose to turn the radio off in your car as you commute around town. You can take walks when a spouse gets home and you hand your kids off to that spouse. You can carve out spaces. There was a time in my life where I said, I'm not a contemplative. She's not for me. And then I heard Henry Nouwen say, apart from silence and solitude, you cannot flourish as a Christian. And I was like, well, that's just Henry Nouwen. Then I heard Thomas Merton say the same thing. And then I heard Ruth Haley Barton, a Christian writer, say the same thing. Then I heard Richard Foster and Dallas Willard and John Ortberg and Tim Keller and all these men and women say, apart from cultivating a hidden life with God, you will not flourish. You won't know how you're doing. So I want to say to you, you must carve out space to be quiet, to be still. The second thing that I do, apart from silence and solitude, is learn how to read the Bible like a child would read the Bible. Um, fancy people call it Lectio Divina. It's like a reading style that causes the illumined word of God to stand out to you. You know when you're reading something and something kind of jumps off the pages? See, children believe that that's the Holy Spirit, God speaking to them. Why do we grown-ups have such a cynical view? What Lectio Divina teaches me, when I write for study for sermons... I do something else. When I read every single day, I do this. I ask the Holy Spirit to speak. And then I trust that what he shares with me is something I can carry with me. That's why I go to the Bible before I go to social media, before I find out what the president said or did the previous day, um, before I check my email. I go to the word because I need to carry and treasure things with me throughout my day that keep me rooted. It helps me continue in my faith. And I read like that every day. And thirdly, I pray the prayer of examine every day. And for me, examine carries with it five steps. Silence, solitude, like I said, settling yourself into quiet. Thanking God for who he is. Even when things are hard, I say, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you are. Thank you for how you've been. Thirdly, I look and 
name places in my life where I've experienced consolation, where I've walked in alignment with God's best, where I've um, had a good conversation or faced something hard or did the right thing. And I thank God for those things. Because even if your life is hard, you're also experiencing moments of alignment, consolation. Fourthly, I name places of desolation, places where I've been out of whack, where I haven't done the right thing. And I name those things without guilt or shame. I just name them before the Lord. And if you do this every day, it's a way to continue in your faith because you never let too much accumulate. And then lastly, I repent and ask God for power and for help. And I do that every single day. And for me, if we're going to take seriously Paul saying to Timothy and God saying to us, continue in what you have learned, grow, sustain. I think you've got to develop core central practices that are going to be repeatable. And for me, silence, Lectio and examine are three of those in my own life. The second thing that Paul says when he talks about this idea of being rooted or being firmly established is he says to Timothy, I want you to be mindful of who teaches you. He reminds Timothy of who his teachers are. And if you know anything about Paul at other places, Paul would say things like, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Paul also says, Look at the outcome of your teacher's way of life and determine whether they're worthy of following. Increasingly in my own life, I want to be mindful of who is teaching me. I want to look at their lifestyle and say, do I just like what they say or am I impacted and being impacted by the substance of who they are? There are a lot of clever people in the world. Not everybody's worth listening to. There are a lot of people who have a lot of fancy stuff to say, but they're not all worth listening to and heeding. You've got to begin to increasingly look at the outcome of someone's life. I would commend to you, your pastor, Tripp puts his money where his mouth is. He's a man whose life is leaning toward congruency in God. And you want to follow men and women who are living like that and leading like that. Not everybody's worth leading, listening to. One of the ways that I evaluate whether a person's worth listening to is whether they're tethered to responsibility and vocation. There are a lot of people that blog and podcast who are not tethered to a place and tethered to responsibility. And some of them are awesome, but not all of them. And I believe that we need to be mindful of who's teaching us. The third thing that Paul says to Timothy that I think is really important and worth considering is this. Don't forget the things God did in you a long time ago. He reminds Timothy of his youth. And I believe that for some of us, our ever-driven desire to move forward, our, our obsession and fixation with all things new and all things future, sometimes causes us to forget things God said to us in the past. And for some of you in this room, the Lord wants to remind you of promises he made to you many, many years ago, things he shared with you, uh, challenges, callings he stirred in you that maybe have become buried or covered or hidden And he wants you to remember, y'all, we've got to do intentional work to remember. And lastly, in this whole firm faith thing, Paul reminds us that we have to allow the scripture to do what it's meant to do. And he tells us what the scripture is meant to do. He said scripture is meant to teach us. It's meant to redirect us when we've gone wrong. It's meant to provide a way back toward alignment through correction. And it's meant to train us in righteousness. Four things, Paul says, the scripture is meant to do. And at least two of those are uncomfortable. Maybe all four, depending on how you feel about training. Paul here is saying that when we come into contact 
with the holy word of God, that the word of God is supposed to shape us and chisel us and knock off our hard edges and redirect us and teach us how to become the men and women that God's called us to be. And I think that's one of the reasons why we don't read the Bible. Because nobody likes those things. And increasingly, we live in a society that tells us that we need to seek affirmation and validation, that we need to be where we're told everything's good. And Paul here tells Timothy, and the Lord tells us, the scripture is meant to challenge you. The scripture is meant to redirect you and shape you. This is why I go to the scripture every single day. I go to the scripture because I don't always like it. Do you know how to avoid being sore regarding exercise? Never exercise or exercise very regularly. Those are two ways to avoid soreness. If you exercise insanely in an intermittent way, you will feel pain like no other pain. And I think it's true with our spiritual life. Some of you never floss until the day before you go to the dentist. Your teeth are bleeding and then you show up at the dentist and you're like, I don't know why my gums are so swollen. It's because we wait One of the things I think the Lord is asking us to do as a people of God is to put ourselves in an environment where we're constantly being shaped and challenged and redirected. And that's through the word of God, through practices of Lectio and study. But it's also through one to another relating. One of the things that Paul highlights toward the end of this passage is this idea that we are called to shape each other. We are called to form each other. That Christian spirituality and maturity is not just something we do in pure isolation. That we're meant to be iron sharpening iron. Tripp and I are meant to do that for one another. You're meant to do that in your families and in your friendships and in your community groups. We're meant to be the kinds of people who bump up against each other enough that things start to happen. Sparks start to fly and change starts to occur in our lives. We're meant to be the kinds of people who do this. Now, here's what Paul says when he talks about forming. When he says to Timothy, you're meant to form. He uses these words. Listen to these words. He says, proclaim. So say things to people. Open up your mouth and say what you see. He says, be persistent. He says, convince people, rebuke people, encourage people, and be patient with people. So I'm going to say them again. Proclaim, be persistent, convince, rebuke. Correct, encourage, and be patient. We have to do both the encouragement and the correction thing with each other. I believe that here Paul is actually outlining what it means to be in mature Christian relationships. I think this is like the call of God on every one of our lives to not just challenge or just encourage, but to be the kinds of people who are able to be and do both of those things with one another. The Lord wants you to be fully orbed. And one of the things that Paul is doing here and calling this young son of his to maturity is he's saying, I want you to be both a challenger and an encourager. So which side of the ledger do you tend to fall on? Chances are you're one or the other. You're a truth teller or you're a cuddler. Don't abandon who you are, but grow in what you're not. I believe that's what the Lord would invite us to consider. He wants us to do both. He wants us to be those who are willing to challenge and be challenged, willing to speak truth and to have it spoken to us. And to reinforce this, Paul then pivots and says, beware when your ears itch. Beware when you just want to hear the things you want to hear and you're uncomfortable hearing things that challenge you, challenge your biases, challenge what you think, challenge where you're living. He's like, you got to be willing to be uncomfortable. And I think that being a Christian 
involves a willingness to be put in and in relationships where it's a little bit uncomfortable at times. And I have to tell you, I think my heart sinks with knowing that we're entering a two-year political build-up cycle. It's like all the stuff starting already and all the rancor in our world and in our culture and the kind of polarizing between the right and the left. And I just want to say to you, I think we can do better than polarizing within our Christian circles, just hanging out with people who are just like us. I think we can do better than that. And I believe that when Paul is challenging Timothy, what he's saying is, I want you to be a person willing to be challenged. And I just want to say to you, I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to be people who are willing to be challenged and able to be encouraged. And here's where it ends. Paul tells Timothy, his son from prison, to do the work of an evangelist. He says, endure suffering, be a good soldier, do the work of an evangelist, discharge your ministry. And evangelism is a tricky word in today's world. Um, The word literally just means, the evangel means good news. It just means God's got something good to say. And we need to be the kinds of people who are willing to say it. It's not just Tripp's job to say the good news. He's not the resident evangelist around here. I'm not even sure you're gifted as an evangelist. I don't think I am either. You're meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I would say that evangelism is asking the Lord every day who in your life is open to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you there are a lot of people in your lives that are open to Jesus but have problems with Christians when they get in big numbers. But Jesus, they're not, they're not worked up about Jesus You know what I do every single day? Every day I ask the Holy Spirit, I say, Lord, would you show me people in my life today who are open to you? I just simply ask him to highlight those people to me. A few weeks ago, I was in the Ace Hardware on the west side. And I was second in line in the garden center buying some charcoal. And I felt like the Holy Spirit told me that the woman behind behind the register needed to know something about the Lord's affection for her. And... If that like rocks your world, I just want to tell you, if you'd be open to the Holy Spirit speaking to you, your life would be more interesting and exciting. So you should be open to it. Um, so what I did was I got in line and I was like, all right, I'm going to be present to this woman. And I looked her in the eye and I said, how are you doing today? And she waited to see if I was just being Southern or if I meant it. And I looked at her with an intent look on my face, like I wanted an answer. And she started to cry. And she put her hands on the, on the counter and she just said, it's been really hard, actually. She didn't know I was a pastor. The conversation would have been weird if I had been a pastor. It's, it's hard when people find out that we're professional Christians, they act different. So it's actually better when they don't know. And I put my hand on top of her hand and I said, I just want you to know Jesus sees you and he cares you and he loves you. And like the Lord turned up at the Ace Hardware. If you will be open To those who are curious, if you would pay attention and be willing to take some small risks, I believe that you would find yourself increasingly in on the very big and exciting and beautiful thing God's doing, which is telling people good news. That's not reserved for people with theological education. This education actually sometimes gets in the way. A look, a word, a touch, these things are how Jesus did almost all of his ministry. And I think he wants to use people like you and me to do it. If you're able, let's stand together. Thank you so much for listening to today's sermon. My name is Tripp Prince, and I'm the parish pastor here at Trinity on the north side.
At Trinity, our mission is to be a people growing into Christ's likeness. You can learn more about Trinity and get plugged into the life of the church by visiting us online at atltrinity.org. God bless you and have a great week.